0: I want to be talking this morning from the book of Jonah, and I'm planning on doing it this morning and probably next week as well, um, and maybe it'll take us three times to get through it, I don't know, but I'm thinking of two, and I want to look at the first three chapters of Jonah, and they're very short, and so I'm just going to read them, and, uh, and we'll talk about them. Jonah is the fifth minor prophet. Okay, there's five major, then there's 12 minor. He's the fifth one. Um, now, at the, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so the ship was like to be broken. The mariners were afraid, and they cried every man to his god, and they cast all the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it. Uh, But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay there, and he was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said to him, What meanest thou sleeper? "'Arise, call on thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not.' And they said every one to his fellow, "'Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil has come upon us.' So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then said they to him, "'Tell us, we pray thee, whose cause this evil is upon us? What's your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you?' And he said to them, "'I am a Hebrew.' And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. And when the men were exceedingly afraid, they said unto him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. And they said unto him, What will we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea was rough and was tempestuous. And he said to them, Take me up. Cast me forth into the sea, and the sea will be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, thou hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, they cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights." And Jonah prayed unto his God out of the fish's belly, He said, "I, I cried, my reason of my affliction of the Lord." And he heard me, "Out of the belly of hell, I cried. And thou heard my voice, and had cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, the floods compass me, thy billows and their waves they pass over me. Then I said, "I am cast out of thy sight, yet I look again towards your holy temple." The waters compassed me about, even my soul. The depths closed round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yea, hast thou brought my life from corruption. O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. My prayers came to unto thee, unto thy holy temple that observe lying vanities, forsake not thy own mercy, and I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving, will I say I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. The book of Jonah talks about a few different things. It talks about the sovereignty of God. sovereignty of God is shown in that he prepares a a storm. He prepares a fish. He prepares a prophet. He prepares a city. Later in chapter 4, he prepares a vine and he prepares a worm. It's also a book about how God changes things. He changes our minds. He changed Jonah's mind. He changed the wind and the storm. He changed the mariners. He changed the fish. He changed the Ninevites. God changes things. God is sovereign, which means he's in total control. And there seems to be a paradox here because God gives us free will. His greatest gift to us is free will. And how does that work with sovereignty? Well, he he chooses to give us free will. And he can't make us do anything because he won't make us do anything. But he reserves the sovereign right to do things to change our mind. And that's what the book of Jonah is about. It is about, on one hand, his absolute sovereignty to control things, and on the other hand, his giving man free will, and how do you deal with knuckleheads? Is that phrase okay with us? I use it all the time. I, I, I've been taught that phrase, and, and it just fits so well with me that I just have adopted it. And he, he has a way of dealing with us that, that doesn't violate our free will. He does things to persuade us to comply with his will and his sovereign desires for us. <clears throat> and that's what he does here. He, he takes this prophet and he says, I am going to send you to Nineveh. I'm sending you to the worst, the most horrible, despicable, the most cruel, the most hated nation that ever was. Probably until this time. Even those nations that took them over did not have the the reputation of the Assyrian Empire of Nineveh was the capital. They were absolute cruel. And uh, the things that they did, and, and they, they, would, they would take a city and they would cut people's heads off and make giant pyramids of heads outside of the city. They would put people on stakes and impale them and leave them. They would bury people and tie their tongues uh, out and leave just their heads out in the hot desert sun. They, they would kill uh, children by the scores, they, would, they were so dreaded and feared that as they would come, the Assyrians would come to, to attack a land, to take of the land, that many villages, when they heard they were coming, they would all kill themselves rather than be captured by the Assyrians because their, their reputation for barbarism and cruelty was so well established. Probably, maybe, The reason Jonah did so much that he didn't want to have these people, you know, know who God was. Maybe he had encountered them or his family has. We don't know that. But for whatever the reason, Jonah, when he was told to go to Nineveh, he absolutely, unequivocally said, no way. You ever tell God no way? You ever say, God, no way, not me, find someone else, I'm not going, I won't do it. And furthermore, he knew God, and he says, I am going to flee from the presence of God. And so instead of going, which would have been northeast, he headed west. He went to Joppa, he hired a ship, he said, I'm going to Tarshish. Tarshish was Spain. I am going to the edge of the known world in the other direction from where you have sent me to go. When people, when we get it in our head that we are going to flee from God because God is expecting something of me that I don't want to do, I just don't want to do it, I will flee to the edge of the world to try to escape him, and that's what Jonah did, I am going all the way to Spain, to the edge of the known world. Nothing beyond that. Sea creatures, sea monsters dwell there, on the ancient maps. I will run away from God, and so he hires the ship. He gets on the ship. These are Phoenician uh, shipmasters from this area. They. they Populated the whole Mediterranean area. They they founded Carthage. They founded cities on Africa. They founded cities in Spain. These are mariners. These are people that know the sea, and they're heading out. And he's paid the price, and he's down sleeping, and a storm whipped up. God brought up a storm. God is able to find ways to persuade us. That what we're thinking, where we're going, us saying no, he's able to find a way to persuade us. He gives us free will. He lets us say yes. He lets us say no. But if you say no, when God says yes, don't be surprised if he uses a little influence to try to make you change your mind. He will do all in his power, and his power is beyond our imagination. You have the the autonomy to say yes or no. We can accept or we can reject, but God, in his love and in his mercy, he uses his influence behind the scene and in this case he may not have been able to tell Jonah what to do but he could tell the wind and he could tell the waves he could tell the fish he could tell things what to do and he told the wind and it blew up a waves of the sea and the and the the tiny ship was tossed and they they didn't know what to do they threw everything off the ship they prayed, they, they prayed to their own little deities, their own little little Buddha guys statues that they had with them out on the ship, their little, they weren't really Buddha guys because these guys were from the Middle East, but whatever they had, they, they prayed to, uh, the similar kind of things, you know, the little, little statues of this and that. <coughs> they did their best, but praying to a piece of wood doesn't help you, does it? Praying to a little marble statue doesn't have any effect on the waves and the sea. There's only one that has an effect on the waves and the sea. The reason Jesus would calm the sea and say, peace be still, it was a proof of who he was. That only God can talk to the sea and it will obey him. And in the midst of this storm, and you know it's a funny thing about the storm, sometimes the storm is directed at me. Sometimes I am the one that has brought the storm. Sometimes you are the one that has done something that the storm is sent to. It's sent to persuade you. It's sent to correct you. It's sent to give you direction or motivation. There's a reason for the storm, but the storm was not sent on these mariners. The storm was sent for Jonah. But there's collateral blessing, if you will, that goes along with a storm. When God brings a storm on one, that storm oftentimes affects the whole family. That storm can affect the whole church. That storm can affect the others that are on the ship with you. These guys didn't do anything. They were heathen. They were doing what they were doing. They were mariners. They were engaged in commerce for profit. They did nothing wrong. The storm came about because of Jonah and Jonah only. But the storms that we go through have sometimes collateral effects. And the effect here, well, one, it was bad. They lost the cargo. They threw it over. They threw all the tackle of the ship over. They threw everything that they had over to lighten the ship so it wouldn't be so heavy and maybe capsized. But you know something? They all came to start praying and they had a little revival on that ship. And they got to know who the real, the real God was. When they asked Jonah, who, who, who are you? Where are you from? What's going on here? What is this about? We, we cast lots and your name came up. You're the one. You're the man. It's because of you. The storm is because of you. Who are you and what is going on? Well, I'm a Hebrew. And I was asked to, uh, you know, God told me to do something, and I'm running away from him. So let me get this straight. Your God is the God of the whole earth. And you're fleeing to the other end of the earth to get away from him. Is that right? Well, yeah. And your God is the God of the land and the sea and you choose to come by sea. Well, yeah. They understood a little better than him that the folly of what he did. And he says, and, th- and th- now they're praying, now we don't want to even get rid of him. And he says, look, it's because of me. Throw me in the sea. You know something? He was so adamant about not going to these people that he said, it's better for me to be dead. What do you think he thought when, was going to happen to him when he fell into the sea? A, 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 a Polaris submarine would come up under him and capture him and, 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 and take him, like on the movies, like 007, <laughs> you know? What? Do you think he knew that God had prepared a fish? What do you think he thought would happen to him when he said, go ahead, throw me in the ocean? It's like, I would rather be dead I would rather be dead than go to these people. I'd rather be dead than do, God, what you've asked me to do. I won't do it. I'll flee from you. And now I'm in a corner. I would rather be dead. God gave him a taste of dead. And he gave him an opportunity to come back from it. Sometimes we get to a place where we could say, I'd rather be dead. Have any of you ever been to that place? I'd rather be dead than face what I'm facing. I'd rather just be dead. He could say that. He could feel that. He could go ahead and say, just throw me in the ocean, because that was his mindset that So be it. And they threw him in. But you can run from God. And you can try to get away from God. But you're not getting away from God if he's he's intent on making you come to a place of decision to do something, to decide something that you don't want to. And he had prepared a fish. What kind of fish was it? Was it a whale? Oh boy, they're quick to tell you it wasn't a whale. Says fish, says whale. You no, know what? It was a creature of the sea, and God prepared it. Don't have to say, oh, what kind of you know? Was it a special group or this? It could have been a sunfish that God prepared special, right? <laughs> prepared special. He could prepare a prophet. He could prepare a storm. He could prepare a ship. He could prepare a crew. He could prepare a fish. He could prepare a city. He could prepare a vine. He could prepare a worm. God can do what he wants. And he prepared a fish, a special fish. He knew the fish by name. Its name was Spot. They're all Spot to me. Every dog, every cat, every fish. And he told Spot, hang around, I've got lunch for you coming. And Spot was there under that ship. And when they threw Jonah in, Spot was there waiting. Spot, I don't believe, thought he was a bus. I don't believe he thought he was a messenger. I believe that Spot thought that he had a tasty morsel, a prophet, a preacher, a something, I don't know, I guess it tastes good. A nice, tasty preacher for you. And spots swallowed him up. The storms in our life are things that bring us to the place where God can use us. Don't Be afraid of the storms. Maybe they're for you, and maybe you're in a storm that is meant for someone else, but God controls the way out. As soon as they threw him in, the storm ceased. The wind stopped. The waves calmed. God is in control. Maybe the storm is for you, Maybe you're riding out someone else's storm. I was part of a storm. My parents, this Bible I have right here, this beautiful big red Bible, has my mother's name on it. It was her Bible. She was part of a storm. It was my storm. As a young knucklehead, I was very good at being bad. I was so good at being bad. I, I could talk about it. I wish she was here, because she could tell you. She would be the first to say amen. I, I regret so much the tears I made her shed. I created a storm so tempestuous, to use the King James word, that I caused anguish in my family. But when God took me out and let a fish of the Marine Corps swallow me (laughs) to get me out of my situation, to get me away from my friends, to get me away from the trouble I was getting into, that storm calmed a little bit. And I came to know the Lord And I started writing letters home that shocked my mother to her core. I included stuff, crazy stuff like Ma I love you. (laughs) Ah, what's happened to my son? (laughs) What has gone wrong with him? Ma, I love you. Someone has kidnapped my child. It was not long until she came to know the Lord as well. My storm, she lived through. But sometimes storms that are directed towards one have an outcome on another. We sometimes ride storms that are not ours, but they can have an effect on our lives. These mariners all come to know who the Lord was. Their little Buddha cats that they had hanging around a wooden stone. They probably said, These things don't work. Get rid of them with the cargo. Throw them off, because we know the really God, the God who made this whole thing, who commands the wind and the waves. Let's worship him. They had revival on that ship. It wasn't a storm, but they reaped the benefit of it. When they threw him in, God had prepared a fish. That fish swallowed him. It took him to the depths. He wanted to die. I want to die. Go ahead, throw me in the sea. I'd rather die. Well, he got to die. Literally or figuratively, he got to die. He experienced the seaweed wrapping around his head. He experienced the stench and the horror of being in something's stomach. We kind of we we sanitize things in our head, and I mean, aside from the gooky yuckiness of being in something's stomach right? Um, there was worse than that. Because when you're in something's stomach, you start to digest. There's like acids and stuff down in there. I mean, it's breaking you down. I don't know. I should have looked it up. How long does it take if a fish eats a little fish? How long does it take until that little fish inside the big fish just is broken down by acid and deteriorates and turns into a skeleton and turns into not- and it's just passed out? How long does that take? I don't know exactly, but he spent three days in that fish. I think one of the things that was so frightening to those folks in Nineveh was the look at this guy as he came out with the color of his skin bleached right off of him, probably with his hair bleached right off of him, probably with everything about him changed, his clothes like, like, like shredded from acid. I don't know what he looked like, but it was not pretty. And he came out and he went to this folks and he started saying, you better reprint or you're going to have fire and brimstone. And I can tell you about fire and brimstone and I can tell you about hell fire because I just came out of hell. I went down into the depths of hell. I thought, let me die. It'll be better for me. But I found out what death looks like, and it was not pretty. I went to the bottom of the sea. I experienced death. I experienced hell. I know what it's like. Nobody can tell you like someone who's been there. There's a reason We go through the storm. There's a reason we go through the fish's belly. Because you can communicate to folks better than anybody who hasn't been there. There's a reason he was so effective in Nineveh, talking about the judgment of God, because he had just come through it and he knew it. He knew what it was like to be bound. He knew what it was like to be dead or as good as dead. He knew what it was like to change his mind. He knew what it was like to encounter a God to whom he would say, I won't go. And then later, I'd rather be dead. He knew what it was like. He had experienced it. He'd been there. And so now, the same God who would leave him in the depths for three days and three nights, it's a familiar number, isn't it, would take him and direct that fish. Because I don't know that fish have what we have, that special gift of free will. And he would move on that fish who thought he had a good lunch, and he would give him some kind of indigestion. He would move, he would make that prophet so un palatable. So, like, ugh, I can't believe I ate a prophet. I'll never eat a prophet again. Oh, that nasty. Oh, man, not a prophet. Give me just a nice old salty sailor, a sea dog. I want sea dog. I don't want no prophet. I'm not meant to eat profit. And he took him, and he swam where God directed him. And after three days, God moved on the fish that he prepared, and the fish, he spit him out. I don't need no stinking prophet. And as the sea was calm after it got rid of him, the fish was calm after it got rid of him. And the fish was good. Like the sea was good, like the mariners were good, like everything was good after it got rid of him. But Jonah was on the land. You ever go through an experience that's so, so tough? It's like you're dead, it's like you're in the belly of a fish, it's so disgusting. And, and you, you were, you know, God will bring us to a place of prayer. We can pray. This is an expression. You can pray before or you can pray after. You can pray before or you can go through the fish and come out on the other side of the fish and pray after. He prayed in the fish. God put him in a place of prayer. You may want to want to pray. God can bring you to a place of prayer. We wonder, sometimes, excuse me, we wonder sometimes why we go through things we go through. God may be bringing you to a place of prayer. He may want to use you for something. He may have a calling on your life. He may have something specific for you to do, a purpose for you, and you are running from it. And he says, "I will have to align your will to mine." What prayer is, the, the pagan view, the heathen view of prayer, is that we bend the will of God to my will. That's why they do all the crazy things they do. Cutting and this and that and all the other stuff. I am making God hear me. I am manipulating the deity through the special stuff I do. And, and I won't go into that because I don't have time for all of that. That's a whole nother time. But our view of prayer is not that I bend God to my will. It's that I bend me to God's will. Prayer takes me to a place where I am ready to listen. God took Jonah to a place where he was willing to pray. And that prayer made him willing to listen. And when he was good and ready to listen and maybe had another two and a half days of sitting in the fish's belly, just getting good and really, really ready to go, just in case he prayed one of those quickie prayers that we pray, God, take this away and I promise, blah, blah, blah. God hears blah, blah, blah. I don't think he listens to the first half hour, usually. I know my prayers the first half hour aren't usually all that good. They usually deal a lot with me, you know? And, and after, or they do a lot with you, too, you know? And God help the Mike. God fix him. And make him treat me right. And make him blah, 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 blah. And then after a while, and God fixed me. Oh, God, it's me. It's me, I'm the one standing in the need of prayer. It's me, I'm the one. I didn't want to go. It's me, I'm the one. I would rather die. It's me, I don't understand. I'd rather die. And God fixed him, gave him a little extra time to get it right, and spit him out on that shore. God will spit you out. He'll cause the thing you're in to spit you out. Because you know why? Because we're not meant for fish. We're not fish food. We are children of God. We are prophets. We're preachers. We're, We're children of God. We are not fish food. He might let a fish take us for a while to just give us a ride. I mean a ride. To have a little attitude adjustment. But when he gets done, we are his, we are not fish food, and he will move on that fish, and that fish will spit us out. We will go to that great city, that city that is so big, it takes three days to walk around it. It takes a day to get in the middle of it. It has 120,000 or 60,000, whatever the number, that, that don't know their left hand from their right. You know your left hand from your right? You know your left hand from your right? You know, right? You know why? Why? Because you're adult men. Little babies don't know their left hand from their right. It had that many little babies that don't know their left from their right. How many people were in that city? It was a great metropolis. It was the capital city of the strongest empire on the world at that time. It was a grand city full of people. Wicked people. And God brought this prophet to them to preach to him, and he didn't want to go there. And I can tell that instead of a two week sermon this is going to be a three week sermon. And so let me talk let me talk about the storm and the fish and we'll get to Nineveh next time. He Moved in him to persuade him to be compliant to fulfill his calling and destiny. And the storms in our life and the fish belly in our life, and don't think for a minute when he came out, he was smelling like a rose. (laughs) And we think that "I, I can't do this. You know something about him going to Nineveh? It took. Someone who'd been through it to talk to someone who was in it. There's not a big old long distance between the pulpit and the pew. The stuff that you're in today, I was in yesterday. When he got to that city, he didn't say, I'm a prophet from my youth. I went to the school of prophets. I graduated summa cum laude from the school of prophets. I'm a big shot with a pedigree from way back. I come from a land where God dwells and sits on the throne. And I come to tell you all, heathen, that you better get right. (laughs) Well, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Aren't you glad I don't do that all the time? (laughs) He did not do that. I tore up a tambourine, though. I feel pretty good about that today. Uh, I don't know about this tambourine. Look at the whole thing busted apart. The wood busted apart. Go past the west. That tambourine's made for white guys. It can't... can't, That tambourine can't hold up. I gotta get me a new tambourine. I'm gonna get me a good one next time. Anyway... (laughs) There's not a big difference. The things he brought me through yesterday, he equips me to talk about today. I don't make any... I, I make no dent. I don't lift myself higher when I talk about pedigree or degrees or things he's brought me through or how special or all the things that... you know. I, when I lift myself up, I lower myself. But when I lower myself... God raises me up. Humility before God is great power. It is who he calls us to be. Knock off the big shot talk. It does not elevate you. If every time you talk, you're talking about all the things you've been involved in and ministers you know and name dropping of the prophets and this and that, it does not elevate you. It disqualifies you from speaking into my life because I'm a knucklehead. I'm a sinner. I'm good at being bad. I don't really care to listen to Goody Two Shoes. Goody Two Shoes can't relate to me. I don't have time for you. I used to take your lunch money and bunk school and go to the bar. And then go back to school and take the bus home. Goody two-shoes, don't talk to me. Unless you've got your lunch money. You had to shake down a lot of little kids in those days. 45 cents a pop for lunch. How many, you know, of course, drafts, beer were cheap in those days too. God doesn't recognize our special. He takes us out of our crazy. He brings us, he he uses people that he has to work in that have experienced some of the things of the people that he wants us to speak to because he needs someone who can relate. We we get a big we, we don't like the things we go through. We don't like our experience. We don't like the the, the, the training and the and the hardness and the storms and everything else. I don't like that my the hair and my skin color is all all acid eaten off of me. I don't like that my clothes are all ripped up. But if I'm going to tell somebody about the goodness of God and about what awaits them and that you don't want to die, you really don't want to die. A guy that just came back from the dead is the perfect guy to do it. A guy that's been to hell and come back is the perfect person to tell someone about hell. Don't stand on a goody two-shoe tower and start proclaiming stuff you don't understand or know about. And the fact is, really, really, you do know about it. Did you forget? Did you forget? Do you remember when you were crazy? Do you remember when you were broken? Do you remember what God brought you out of? Don't forget it. You don't have to live it, but don't forget it. It was only yesterday you were in a fish belly. He spit you out and you ran so fast that you did what God said. But it was only yesterday you were in the fish belly. It was only yesterday you were rebelling against God. It was only yesterday you were on the run. Don't hold out like you're some special somebody from the big shot city of Oz. Of, uh, of <laughs> you're not, you're a sinner. Saved by grace. And who better? Who better to talk to sinners that need to be saved by grace? You come out of a history of whatever. Who better to bring light to people in the same darkness you came out of? Who better than you? Don't despise those, those Are credentials. I'm going to show it to you one day, but it won't be today because we're out of time. In my office, I, I just hung up two pictures. One is a picture of Job that my sister made back when she was in high school, and that was a long time ago. And the other, I finally found it. It is my fourth grade report card. <laughs> I framed it. I showed it to Pastor Jenny the other day, and she said, Oh, that's so nice. Look, you got all E's for excellent. I expected nothing less. And I had to explain to her the reason all those E's, straight E in the last quarter, are all red is because they didn't want to waste time jumping from D to F. They realized that we were skipping E, so they replaced F's with E's. It was when you get below 60, you go from D to E. I stayed back with straight E. (laughs) E in everything. E in art. E in things that I normally got A's in without even trying. I got E's in everything. They sent me to be evaluated. I did real good there because I didn't want to ride on the little bus, but but I I was really I was bad. I was so good at being bad. And the reason I framed that, and the reason I hang it on my wall, is because it's part of the area of my brokenness. It's part of Brother Reedy's brokenness of my past, of what formed me and fashioned me, of what changed who I am. It's part of what instilled into me It's part of that whispering voices from teachers and other students and principals and everyone I knew. You're a dummy. You're nobody. You'll never be anybody. It was my brokenness. And I frame my brokenness and I put it in my office because it reminds me of my ability to reach others that are broken because I'm not a dummy. I'm not no good. I'm not any of the things they said. That's all the fish belly. But you know what? I got slime on me. But I'm not slime. You've got slime on you. You might smell like a fish belly, but you're not a fish belly. God is using that to bring you to your next place. And nobody can do the things that you can do because nobody else has been through what you have been through and are in.